Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. And this is Jackie. And this week we are doing the daiquiri. And I think we decided that we both had never had one before. Yeah, I don't think I have. Yeah, but we, we both had a memory of daiquiris as being I've had a pink. strawberry daiquiri for oh, sure. Oh, okay, okay. I definitely have had that. And that's why this is not that at all. Yeah. And like, I in my mind, it was a blended pink cocktail. And Kimry started lining up all the ingredients. And I was like, mm, I think we're missing something. And she mm-hmm. was like, no, this is like the OG daiquiri. I think she nailed it on the head when she said it's like a rum gimlet. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yes. I mean, it's literally exactly what it is. It's light rum. It's lime. You got your simple syrup. It's delicious. It's so good. Chilled, chilled, I chilled. I like things from the gimlet family. Yeah. Same. Same. Mm-hmm. So wait, when I say I like cocktails from the Buck family or the Mule family, and then you tell me I don't like cocktails. I just wanted to make you mad. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's fair, <laughs> I suppose. But the uh, fact that I was saying you don't like many cocktails, and you're like, I like this, and I was like, that's one <laughs> type out of a thousand types. I know dogs. Dachshund and wiener dog. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to break down the daiquiri for you guys. Okay. Uh, we kind of said it already. You're going to do one jigger of light rum, juice of half a lime, a quarter ounce of simple syrup. And what did I teach you about a jigger? Um, it used to be two fingers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. back in the Wild West days, you'd be like, I need a finger of whiskey or I need two fingers of whiskey. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I love the uh, description of the instructions for this cocktail because it's like, chill your glass, get ice, put it in your shaker, Cold chill your was shaker. Very important. It, was, it was like chill to the max with this. And I think we all agree that it tastes a lot better when it's like, Frosty yeah, on first the top. Sip, super mm-hmm. cold, ice chunks yes. inside. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you the history, and we got the facts from Wikipedia and cocktailsforyou.net. Hmm. Do we know where the name came from? Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna part of it. tell you things. Okay. okay, here we go. So there's a book by David Embry uh, called The Fine Art of Mixing Cocktails, which says, which I've tried to tell you before, because and then I couldn't find it, so I oh. have no way to back anything up, and that's usually how my stories go, um, which says that there are six basic drinks from which all other drinks are made. You have said this before yes so the daiquiri is one of those six basic no drinks no way mm-hmm. so the gimlet's related to the daiquiri yes i'm saying gimlet family and really I, misnomer yes it's the daiquiri it's family the daiquiri family color me surprised <laughs> i can see it in your eyes yeah um okay so the other five drinks in case you're curious i'm very curious is the jack rose the martini the manhattan the old-fashioned and a sidecar Wow. Yeah. Okay, so here's where my mind goes. Yeah. I, I have too many things to say, okay. so I'm not going to say really hardly any of them. I'm going to say this. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done many of those. No. I keep talking about the sidecar. We haven't done that yet. Well, we did the martini in the old fashioned. But we haven't done a Manhattan. We haven't, like, out of the six cocktails We've that now are done the three. heads of the cocktail family, yeah. we're like a year and a half in. Well, we've been busy drinking other things. I know. I'm we, just, I'm impressed. We've done weird things like the Blue Ocean Shot we're dr- and, and not the six classic cocktails. We're drinking their ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. So in essence, we have had them in our bodies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, David. So, <laughs> 
Embry. I'll go. Oh, I was like, who's David? <laughs> I already forgot. I, I realize now that David's a very common name. So Embry, he stresses that um, the drink will never be any better than the quality of the cheapest ingredient in it. So oh, when, that's so fair. So when you're making a cocktail, you have to get the finest ingredients, which we should know by now that that's true. We've had some funky cocktails because we went cheap. <sighs> okay. Y- yes. Ultimately, Yes, I agree. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I'm not still going to order well drinks well, out at a bar because I'm not paying their prices. Yeah. But like at Necessarily. home. At home. Think at home. Yeah, I have nice alcohol at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, so daiquiri is a word with Caribbean origins and is both the name of a beach in an iron mine near Santiago de Cuba. I asked and I received. There you are. The name of the drink. In case you guys don't know, Kimri did an amazing job of getting the history and facts of this cocktail today. Um, And I am just the voice of her words. Um, Okay. So there was an American mining uh, engineer named Jennings Cox, who was in Cuba at the time of the Spanish-American War. And he was thought to be the inventor of the daiquiri. Mm. So there are a couple versions of how he created this cocktail, as always. But... um, one of the stories is his granddaughter, who said he had guests over, was out of gin and didn't want to serve plain rum, so he made it up with the ingredients he had on hand. So it was just kind of like a beep, ba, ba, ba. It, it's a Bobby Dazzler. It's a Bobby Dazzler. It's a Bobby Dazzler. So my friends and I play this game when we're over at their house. Uh, and it's a really great way, like if you've got someone new to the group, it's also a really great way to get them in. Um, is you create cocktails. So basically, mm-hmm. you go, that person goes off into the kitchen and makes a cocktail. And they can use anything that's in the house. And the only rule is they have to name the drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a story that goes along with it, obviously, you're going to get extra points. Yeah. Um, but they're Bobby Dazzlers. And we never remember any of the actual names, and it's just different versions of Bobby Dazzlers. And you so, said Travis had the worst. Yeah. I mean, Ethan had a really bad one, but I think Travis took the – took the like title from him. <laughs> Travis has had uh Worcestershire's uh, in it. Uh. And then something else that was really like it was like Kim said it was like drinking gasoline. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's it. bad. Um okay, so back to the history. Uh so Jennings Cox recorded the recipe in his logbook and it is a recipe for six people and he uses the following ingredients. So this is from his hand to my mouth mm-hmm. out to your ears. So juice of six lemons Six teaspoons of sugar, six Bacardi cups of Carta Blanca, two small cups of mineral water, and plenty of crushed ice. Shake well. So what I've noticed with cocktails is many are pretty interchangeable when it comes to lemons and limes. Mm. We made ours with a lime. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of recipes for daiquiris with limes. But then here's this other one where it's a lemon. And I, that that's true across the board with many different drinks mm. where it's like, use a lemon, use a lime. You just need some sort of tart citrus, and where that, which I find kind of interesting. Where that does, a recipe that's like, mm, whatever, to your preference. Yeah. And where that doesn't really come into play is when you are out of mint and you use basil instead. Then it makes a very basil drink. Yes, yes. We should actually make that drink because we haven't had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which drink was that again? That was the Space Gin Smash, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, like, remember the photo, but I can't remember the name. <laughs> Pictures, not words. words. Uh, so the drink didn't make it very far originally, uh, and it stayed with Cox on Cuba for some time until uh, a U.S. A medical officer, Lucius Johnson, was in town. Um and um, there, like, had been a battle that had yeah. occurred, and Jennings Cox was still there, and he served him a daiquiri cocktail. And then Lucius is credited for introducing the cocktail to the United States via the Baltimore University Club, and the cocktail was served in some bars between the 1910s and the 1930s. So, 
is old. Yeah. Um, and then, so rum-based drinks used to be frowned upon because they were the choice of sailors and low-class people. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Funny. <laughs> and however, in the 1940s, World War II rationing made whiskey and vodka hard to come by. But rum was... Suddenly uh, rum's not such a uh, big yeah. deal. Hey, yeah. Hey, you, you. You're looking good. Flat call. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but rum was easily obtainable due to Roosevelt's good neighbor uh, policy, which opened up travel and trade with Latin America. Mm. Uh, and Cuba and, and the Caribbean. And the good neighbor policy helped make Latin America like fashionable, which in turn made rum-based drinks fashionable. And that is when the daiquiri drink really began to That's gain pretty popularity. Yeah. Hmm. I it's, like it. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. Um, I got a little, little more facts for you. I'm going to say this sentence and I'm going to see what happens. I'm not going to be drinking while you say it. Perfect. It was one... Okay. So the daiquiri <laughs> is a favorite drink of President John F. Kennedy and Ernest Hemingway. Really? Yeah. It's not the reaction well, I had. <laughs> I don't... What was your reaction? I was like, Ernest Hemingway, you booze. You All of the cocktails were your favorite. Oh, Because, like, I, yeah. he loved the absinthe one, too. And uh-huh. he just... Every cocktail is his favorite cocktail. Yeah. No, I feel like... Here's the deal. I feel like boozy boozers uh-huh. have, like... They're just, like they're pretty particular. Yeah, they'll drink anything in a pinch, but they want like they want that bottle of Dewar. Like they drink a bottle of Dewar's yeah. every day. Like they have a thing. But he's saying that the daiquiri is a favorite drink, and so is the absinthe, absinthe one. Interesting. Well, was that a favorite drink or a drink he made up? Mm, both. Death in the afternoon was a favorite. He made it up. Maybe he was drunk off of daiquiris <laughs> and was like, what do I got? What do I got? What do I got? Uh, I'm going to call this death in the afternoon. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay. So anyways, Hemingway actually has a variation of the cocktail named after him because he would oh, drink he okay. would drink a double version of it. Of course he did. Uh, back to the absinthe yeah. cocktail, earning himself the nickname Papa Dobles. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I can see JFK being into it because it's like... Fancy. Yeah, especially like not the strawberry version I yeah. had in my head. <laughs> <laughs> strawberry daiquiri was JFK's favorite drink. Um, and so with earning uh, er- Ernest Hemingway's cocktail version, he had a grapefruit and maraschino cherries. Wow. So a completely different drink or? <laughs> well, in double. <laughs> Kind of That's a, a totally <laughs> different drink. Oh my god! Um, uh, the basic daiquiri recipe is similar to grog that British sailors used to drink to prevent scurvy. Not to be confused with the grog that we made on okay. episode forty-four. Yeah, yeah. Very me. different. We had grog floats. Yes, adult root beer floats. But we didn't have. Grog. We didn't just drink grog. No, 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 no. We should make those again. We still have some. That's good. Yeah, we down for a float. A float on a float. Ooh. Oh. I mean, that's not going to last very long. Then no. Hydroflask. Look at you. Look at me. Using my gear. No bad weather. Just bad gear. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that wraps up uh, cocktail hour. I learned so much. Didn't you? I really did. Yeah. We're trying to step that up. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Thanks. Thanks, Kimmery, for all your research. You did great. Uh, Jackie, I am now ready for a story. I think our viewers or listeners, actually, if you're watching us, that's creepy. <laughs> please stop. Please, please no. <laughs> my camera on my laptop is a, in a very like awful angle. So. You know, it's funny you say like watching us and oh. like the the that joke lends itself right into my story. Oh, okay. 
I'm going to tell you uh, about uh, Stephen McDaniel. Okay. And I would ask if that name means anything to you, but now that we're several episodes in, you never know the name. Nope. <laughs> um, this one was pretty famous. It's been covered by a lot of people because he was interviewed on the news. Oh. And then later it was discovered that he was the killer. <gasps> so he's at the crime scene? So he's at the crime scene. He's just a concerned neighbor and friend uh-huh. who's talking to a news reporter. And it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Watching it, knowing what happens, it's fascinating. Okay. So the deal with Steven. So Steven, uh, all this takes place in like uh, Georgia. I think he grew up in Georgia. A little caveat here. Yeah. Jackie, again, is not looking at notes. She's just telling me a story. Yeah. So don't cite me as your source. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give my sources at the end. But so yeah, this is just off my memory. So Stephen grew up and he was always kind of a funky little kid. So I will, I'll play the video for you like I did Kai, the hatchet, the hatchet guy. Like yeah. I want you to see the same thing. Like it's a news reporter, being a news reporter, they're always a little silly. And, and if and people at home want to watch it, it's just on YouTube. And for sure. Yeah, it. just look up Steve McDaniel and you'll see it. You'll okay. see the news interview and then you'll also see his police interviews. Oh. <clears throat> which are like two hours long or whatever. So Stephen was very smart, um, but... Like, didn't have a ton of, like, he would interact with other kids, but he was, he didn't have, like, a ton of friends. Um, he was just kind of like an, you know, like a, like a, like a nerdy outsider to a degree. And uh, he was very changed. So he lives, like, kind of this uh, life till he gets to adolescence. And the 9-11 plane crashes severely impact him. So he sees this happen and he just kind of gets it in his head that he's not prepared that anything could happen. He kind of becomes a little bit of a doomsday prepper. Okay. Not a full prepper, but like he definitely is like concerned and talks about it all the time and like has a go bag and like starts getting like, it's, it's like a main topic of conversation with him. So he gets a little bit obsessed about it. So he's concerned about being prepared and, uh, and everything, all of his other interests and things are always about um, school and schooling. And he goes to college. So where this story all takes place is at Mercer. Mm-hmm. So he has graduated from law school. And his neighbor has also graduated from law school. So his neighbor is Lauren. And they went to, I think there's like two campuses right near each other. So they kind of went to the same college, but they kind of didn't. But they're literally like next door neighbors. His door is a couple feet away from hers. And they both have graduated and are now studying like mad because they have to pass the bar. Mm -hmm. So they... They're aware of each other. Again, they see each other passing by in the apartment building. They know some of the same people. But they're not really friends. And he has a couple times asked her out, and she has said no. Mm. Lauren is super gregarious. She's pretty. She's athletic. She's smart. um, Really outgoing. Has all these friends. Has this huge, like... Circle has this study group that she goes to all the time, and that's part of how they pick up on the fact that she's missing, is the study group is like, where's Lauren, where's Lauren? So several days have gone by, I think maybe three days have gone by, and they're like, we haven't, 
we're all studying for the bar. There's no way she's just not coming to a study group. Yeah. So then they think, well, maybe she's like burrowed down in her apartment and it's just like studying by herself, but let's go over there and let's check. So they get there and they're knocking and she's not responding. Then uh, they find a friend who has a key and they get into her apartment and her purse is there, her law books are there, her phone is there, her keys are there, everything's there, but she's not there. So then everyone's super concerned and they're like, well, she's a runner. Like she would like very well known around that area. She'd run around the apartment complex. She'd run over to campus and stuff because I think they were only like across the street from there. So, but now they're, she's a missing person. So they start looking for her. So that's where it picks up where you've got the news crew and now there's a missing college college grad they're looking for and here's this interesting looking dude he's got very unique hair it's big like think of the dude from uh workaholics oh okay the he's got fluffy hair big fluffy hair yeah and this kind of interesting voice and if we can figure out how to do it we'll intersperse in just like a little snippet of him talking to the uh news gal but so she's interviewing and she's like, hey, and he's like, yeah, we're all just, we're all really nervous about it. He's talking about her in a way that he's her friend mm. and he's concerned about her. And it's not just that he's a neighbor that's asked her out a couple of times and she said no. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, the, la- the last time we saw her was on Saturday. So he's kind of inserting himself into the other group that was looking for her because they went by and like knocked him. We're like, have you seen Lauren? He's like, no, I haven't seen Lauren. He went looking like he was a part of the... Uh, search parties to go find her like he's walking around campus looking for her when he knows what's happened so weird when they do that so he's all he's always being interviewed and he's like no like we're all really nervous about it like and so they talk for a good amount of time and then and then he gets kind of like upset and the news gal's like do you need to take a seat he's like yeah and he like sits down for a minute and then he gets back up so he's like he seems very worried and upset and concerned but then when she asks him a pointed question it's like immediately turned off and he answers the question Mm mm-hmm it's just kind of an interesting quirk of his. Yeah. You can put, you can be like, oh, it's because you know, but you could also be like. That could just, could be, just him. be how he is. Yeah. So at some point, the news gal says, um, blah, 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 um, because they found a, a body in the dumpster. And he goes ghost white. And he immediately becomes different. And again, 2020, you could think, oh, if your friend is missing and someone tells you that they've found a body, now you're super concerned that your friend has died and yeah. they're missing it. Yeah. So you could read it two ways. But now that you know what happened, or you will know what happened, he's concerned that they've found the body. Mm-hmm. So basically, she was reported, she'd been missing for about three days. So by the time she's reported missing and the police are there, the garbage truck was running late. And because there were police all over, the garbage truck couldn't get to the dumpsters. So if timing had been even slightly more off, oh, what are the chances? They might not have found because <gasps> she would have gone to the dump. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, and it's a really windy day, and the body's been there for a while, and so there's a really horrible smell that the police recognize, uh, and that's how they found. Oh my gosh. So, all these things, all these things yeah. lined up. So in the dumpster is, and this is horrible, like she's missing her head and her arms <gasps> and her legs. It's just her torso. Ugh. And she's wearing a pair of pink running shorts. Ugh. And so now they've found a body. They're pretty sure it's her. So they're kind of operating off of that. So while being interviewed on the news, he finds out that they've found the body. Oh, my gosh. So he's panicking and freaking out. And they're like trying to talk to him. And, and, and while they're talking to him, they're kind of like, oh... 
this is a concerned friend. Like they just think he's yeah. worked up because they've found his, you know, his friend's body. Then later, the new he gets arrested for something unrelated. Mm. He gets arrested for stealing a condom. What? What? From another neighbor. From a neighbor? Mm-hmm. Ew. What do you mean? What do you? I was. I thought you were gonna say a convenience store. Or something. No, he steals a condom from a person and gets arrested. Yeah, like he must he, have done it in some creepy way. There's no way to not be creepy stealing he gets, a condom. He gets arrested for stealing condoms. Uh, so he like broke into someone's house. Yeah. I think, okay. Yeah. So he got he got arrested for breaking into someone's house. Yeah, and what he stole was a condom. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. It's very weird. So he gets arrested on that, and then the news people hear that and they're like. Did we just talk to the killer? <gasps> so then they're kind of like, ooh. Yeah. So the police then are like, mm, and after they start talking to him, they're like, things are not adding up with this dude. So then, and it's crazy. Like, you should watch the interview with the news yeah. because he has a very certain uh, way of speaking. And then when he's talking to the cops, he is he's like this weird, emotionless robot. Uh. He's sitting there. And they'll ask him whatever, and he just goes, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. It's I don't know, no, and yes, and I don't know that he utters another word other than that. Yeah. So they're asking him all the time, and the cop's kind of starting to lose his cool with him. And then he's like, you know, when you were on the news, you had, and he kept, like, bringing up how he had all these things to say to the news, and he had, he was trying to help find Lauren on the news, and now the police need him to help find Lauren, and he now he can't, he has nothing to say about it anymore. And so... It's like it's interesting to watch the how the police are honing in on that, honing yeah. in on him and working on him. Um, so it comes to pass that he so they start finding some evidence in her apartment. So they go in with like luminol and they're looking for blood and they find like they get a little bit of a hit on the bathtub, but it's also like it could be cleaning agents or cleaning agents over blood. Mm-hmm. So they're like, mm, we think something happened here. So they're like starting to formulate what they think happened. She had a uh, like a burgle bar. So essentially like in New York, like a bar that set into the floor, mm. if I'm understanding correctly, that went up against the oh. the door handle. Yeah. So if regardless of, of like key yeah. entry, like you physically can't get in with that bar there. I need to get one of those. So um, Stephen was aware of that bar. So he'd either been in her apartment, like maybe he'd gone in with other people, like they were at least a little bit aware of each other, but he was aware of this burgle bar because in his search history on his computer (gasps) is how do you get around a burgle bar he had a camcorder that he had attached (gasps) to like a gopro like he fashioned like a because this is this happened a while ago yeah he fashioned a stick and a camera and he would straight up just put it up and just record inside her apartment gross he in his possession they found a master key to the entire apartment complex. What? And a key to her apartment. How? I don't know how he got that. Did he like he must have like known the me like I'm thinking who has the key? Jan- janitor, the loaner. The guy. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Ugh. he had a master key, like a skeleton key to the whole thing. Ugh. Her key. And so his whole like the whole thing was like he had the key, but she she also had this burgle bar. Yeah. So how do I get around? How this? do I get around the burgle bar? Yeah. Um, he had he had a couple other weird searches that were like, um, like strangle in sleep or like he had some like don't Google what are you yeah. serious? He had some crazy searches where yeah go to a public library. No, um, don't do that. There was don't also do like it. he also had uh, there were searches for child 
pornography. No. Like he like his computer was did fully was up. he stalking other women? No, they think in like in all of his searches, like he had searched like her name nude. He had gone all through her like Whoa. all social media accounts. He like was all up in there. Um, and so again, like she's like I don't know if it was Facebook or MySpace. Like I'm sure they were like Facebook friends, mm. but again, like not friend friends. Mm-hmm. And so what inevitably ends up happening, and like you have so basically they they get all this evidence, they get him, he's in, he finally agrees to like he doesn't want the death penalty so he goes i'll i'll tell you all the details if i don't get the death penalty i'll say what happened and so according to him there was no sexual assault he broke into her and he would i I think he would break in mildly regularly or he Mm. had before he Mm. would watch her sleep no 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 so according to him he broke in Mm. he's watching her sleep and the floor creaks and she wakes up and according to him, she says, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And he just lunged at her and strangled her. Aww. And then so he strangled her. He put her in the bathtub and then he went back home. I'm like, didn't deal with anything for a couple days. Then he goes back in. He has a hacksaw. And that was when he. No. Made it made. Yeah. He put her body in the apartment building dumpster. And he put her head, arms, and legs in the dumpster behind the college. And they've never found that, like, that did go to the dump. Yeah. And in the laundry room to their apartment building, they found a bloody hacksaw that then ended up testing as the the weapon. Yeah. um, In a closet of the laundry room. Mm -hmm. They found the receipt and the packaging for the hacksaw in his apartment. Like, there's just... Evidence. Evidence everywhere. And then his eventual confession. So he dismembered her so he was able to carry her easily? I guess. Okay. Uh, I hate it. But yeah, like, like leaving her body there for a couple days is really straight. Like, the whole, like... All of it. All of it. All of it. He was just obsessed with her. Yeah. And then either you know and again he could make up that story of like yeah. i had no intention of killing her and yep. i just in the moment mm-hmm. like that it's just his story there's no other part to it yeah so it could be true that he just was this super creep stalker that then was like oh i've been caught and i have to fix this yeah i wonder or he was just so obsessed with her that he killed her yeah i wonder from like um an autopsy perspective like if you're able to see when like if it was two or a week or like if it was not you know if it had happened in the moment or if it happened after death or you know versus the like, strangling or what are you talking the, about the the hacksaw like i'm wondering oh if, how soon after yeah like if it matches his story yeah just to see the timeline i think the receipt i think the purchase of the hacksaw at walmart was a couple days after, after they when they know she went missing okay and they kind of believe the storyline of yeah because she hadn't been seen since That's so sad it's so sad and like there's nothing that there's she couldn't have really behaved any differently. She was just living her life. She was literally just living her life and then doing a bang up job from how everybody speaks about her. Yeah. She had safe, at the bar. She had safety measures. Yeah. It's not like she didn't Yeah. You know? And like, yeah, his whole thing when he's on the news, he's like, Yeah, we all we think that somebody snatched her when she was running. Mm. I hate it. I yeah. I hate it. I don't like it's it's ones like this that kind of sit with me and I don't like Yeah. Yeah. The one-off ones or just like you 
is it more that like there was no way around it? She was just living her life, and like yeah. there's no way she could like what that I, kind of. What aspect? I don't know is he he broke um, two fingers. He had his hand in a splint, uh-huh. so that was my tie. Was that there's two fingers of rum in the drink? Ugh. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> what I don't know is if he broke. I don't think he hurt his hand in the act. I think this was like later in uh, jail when he was uh, okay. in part of his like confessions and stuff that he had the messed up hand. Do you know Kimry? It was in prison. Yeah. He had a door slammed on him. That's what Kimry said. Okay. Well. So basically, I just I I remembered this story and yeah. I wanted to talk about it. And we were, gonna, ha- we were originally going to do a different. We were going to do wine slushies for yeah. this one. I was yeah, like, I'll find a tie for it. And then when we came up with this one, I was like, Kimmy, help me find a tie for this one. I'm like, we'll make it. We'll make oh, it. Oh, she, yeah, great tie. I mean, <laughs> such a minute detail. But yeah, like the whole, like, I just, her family's going to be devastated forever. Yeah. And it's just sad. It's just so sad. And this happened in California? Georgia. Georgia. Okay. Because I think Mercer's also, like, I could be wrong about where Mercer mm-hmm. is, but he, he was very Georgian. Gotcha. Well, thanks. You're welcome. That. Enjoy that bummer. Thanks. We've all learned many things today. Um, we're going to take a short break. But you should look up one of those burgle bars and see if, like, maybe there isn't a way around it. Well, uh, but there, uh, what was it? I was house sitting once and they have the one with the, you step on it or you, you push it and it goes, thunk, and it's just like this whole thing across the bottom of it. So it's not, yeah. But, um, well, we're not going to give away what you're looking into. Oh, sorry. Maybe <laughs> it's not like my apartment co- complex has a locked door and then our front locked door and then just me. Don't tell them how many locks they have to get through. Oh, <laughs> well, there's many, 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 many locks. And you're always strapped. You always have a weapon. on. Yeah. You. And I have my, 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 my Rottweiler for, yeah, that dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say bulldog. And I was like, I don't think that's very scary. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hello. 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 <laughs> Do you like Christina that? Christina Aguilera. Thanks. Um, in another life, I was really good at singing. <laughs> Not this one. Not this one. <laughs> no. I've been to karaoke with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Did I really sing? Yeah, oh, we oh, we did. In we were at the punch bowl. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we had our own room. It was great. Yes, no you one could had be to as listen. terrible as you want. <laughs> and we were. Mm, we were. <laughs> I don't think there were soundproof walls. Like when we did, they like... make you feel <laughs> a certain way that might not necessarily be true. Yeah. Um, anywho, you guys, welcome to intermission. Um, right off the top, we always like to thank our donation station peeps. Uh, thank you, Brenda. She's doing a reoccurring donation. You the best. Um, and thank you to anyone who's ever donated. We much appreciate it. Uh, Jackie the other day was like, hey, man, you haven't asked me to pay the credit card lately. Like, what's yeah. going on? And I was like, I got this. I was like, just kidding. <laughs> our, our listeners. Donations got it. Yeah, our listeners thank at home. Thank you for tipping your bartenders. Thank you. It's. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's helping so much. Um, and I, I, I'm always tickled when we get like a dollar. Dude, it's super fun. It's so funny because it, it's like we're actually it's like getting a real tip. Tip like a like yeah. a bartender, like a, a tip for a cocktail. Yeah, boom. There's yeah. a dollar. How about da da da? So thank you um, if you've ever donated, and thank you if if you've ever written a review on iTunes. Oh yeah, I got a fresh one for you. Hot off the press. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. This one's from. Sam T. Co. Oh. Best casual true crime. Dot, dot, dot. I wonder how many casual true crime podcasts there Probably are. Probably a lot. Oh, okay. I was like, but we're the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're the okay. best at it. In my head, there wasn't a lot. 
I think there are more. There's a lot of <gasps> true crime podcasts. Fun. Oh there's lots of friends. Mm-hmm. Friends. Amazing show to listen to each week. They do an amazing job making a gruesome murder casual and light. Mm. Constantly laughing like I'm with them recording. Love the drinks they choose and always am interested in their ties. Fun. I like that. Yeah. You know, I was I was talking to someone the other day and she said that, so she's super into true crime and her husband isn't, but they went for a road trip. And so he's like, okay, like we can listen to your true yeah. crime. And so she's listening to us. And uh, she said that because he's not into true crime, he picked the episode by the cocktail. Mm. So she would just read off the cocktails until he's yeah. like, okay, cool. I like that one. Let's yeah. listen to old fashioned. That's fun. Yeah. I remember when this all first started, I was like, I don't know how into the cocktails people are going to be. They're super into it. Yeah. And then we were like, oh, we, we have to. And come. I'm into, like, I enjoy having good and bad cocktails. Yeah. It's like, fun finding ones I like. It's fun mm-hmm. being like gross. And like learning about like the daiquiri history. Yes. Like super fun. Isn't learning I fun? I also like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should leave us a review. <laughs> oh my God. You haven't given us a review? No, that seems weird. I haven't either. <laughs> Jackie and Drea are the coolest. If, if I was running for president, I would vote for myself. Uh-huh. I'm not like that. But yeah. I, yeah, I'm not going to review my own podcast. Yeah, that that makes me feel weird inside. Um, but you guys, we wanted to tell you something during this intermission besides all the all the good. Um, we are going to change up our format a little bit for the summertime. We, we alluded to this on the previous episode. Yes. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do um, – big cases and for like the month of august we're going to be having one case so whether that's a two-part episode three or four it kind of depends on how much how big the case is and how yeah, long we are. yeah so kind of like what we did with the scott peterson case so the next episode coming out will be um the first monday of august and then if we'll let you know up top if it's going to be a two-part or a three or four um and then the next month we'll pick another big case so if there's a big case out there that you've been dying to hear um and you want to hear it from your casual friends at Killer Cocktails, um, shoot us an email, killercocktailspodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram and let let us know. I know somebody uh, asked for Marilyn Monroe and I I really want to cover that actually. So, Hmm. yes, yes. So if you have any ideas, just let us know. And that's all from us at the intermission station. (laughs) All right. See you at the end of the episode. Okay, bye. All right, guys, we are back from our break. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope it was enthralling and thrilling mm-hmm. and all the things. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, you wanted to tell me your sources for your stories. I So a bunch of this was just off of memory of when I learned about it a long time ago, which was probably just YouTube. Uh, but I went back to Wikipedia, and then I listened to the podcast True Crime All the Time. Ooh, I like that name. Mm-hmm. True Crime All the Time. Yeah, it's these two dudes... That at times make inappropriate jokes, you know, whenever I listen to other podcasts that are specific to, like, true crime, mm-hmm. there's this, like, level of judgment I have to get out of my head mm-hmm. because it's – each one, the theme is so different mm-hmm. and how they – ultimately, I liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you a story now. Mine is very lighthearted. <laughs> so – Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't normally – yours are awful. I know. Yeah, we switched this week. Um, right off top, um, I'm going to tell you my sources, discoverwalks.com. What? <laughs> what is your story? Uh, there's an article in The Telegraph by Henry Samuel. Uh, there's an article by... Did you say discover walks? Yep. 
Okay. Okay. And then uh, another article by Rupert Miller um, on the the drinks business and catacombs.paris.fr. What is your story? All right. So before I get into my story, I'm going to tell you all about the catacombs in Paris. This is fascinating. I know. Is this kind of like the Shanghai tunnels and the underground? Like this is sort sort of. So I'm going to tell you. So before the catacombs became a thing, the tunnels were created to extract a uh, limestone. That would- I don't know what you're talking about at all. What? I know what the word catacomb means. Yeah, I'm telling. I'm 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 telling you what they are. Okay. They're tunnels. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and these tunnels were created to extract limestone that was then used to construct buildings in Paris, such as Notre Dame and so the Louvre. Under the city? Mm-hmm. And limestone is my tie to the cocktail lime. because lime. lime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you win. Do I? Don't you? I'm going to tell you my original tie, and I definitely won. But this, yeah. I mean, I like her finger tie, too. Okay, so Kimri's yeah. talking off air. Kimri against Kimri. <laughs> so obviously it's going <laughs> to be bing, great. Bing, Kimri won. But I'm going to tell you my original tie, and okay. it was also good. That's good. Yeah, it was. Thank you, Kimri. <laughs> um, okay. Was your original tie yours? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's why you have to tell me. Yeah. I understand. I mean, it's really obvious, but it's fine. Okay, so the catacombs. So where's your tie? You'll lime, tell me later. The limestone. No, your oh. original tie. To the <laughs> I'll original tell you tri- later. That's what I needed. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this is off to a great start. So these catacombs. So so essentially it's all these tunnels underneath Paris. Finished tunnels? Rough tunnels? Just rough. Like people are just chilling. People are just going in there to get limestone. And this is olden days with like olden, olden days. tools? Before 18,000. Yeah. We don't have giant things that are just like boring no, tunnels. No, 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 okay. No. Okay. So... Uh, but then in the late 1700s, due to overcrowding in the cemeteries, because people were just dying, um, and because bodies were not buried properly, disease started spreading throughout the city. Okay. And so Paris authorities were like, how do we solve this problem? So they found an easily accessible site that was at the time located outside the capital. And they started uh, excavations um, during 1785 through 1787 um, from the largest cemetery in Paris called St. Innocent's Cemetery, which had been closed in 1780 after being used for nearly 10 centuries. Whoa. Think about how many people were buried there. People. So many people. And, like, they were burying bodies on top of bodies. So, like, and then, like, uh, they would say, it like, it would rain and bodies would become dislodged and, like, start to, Ugh. yeah. Old school cemeteries. Um, And so, in the middle of the night, they start transporting all these human remains down to these tunnels to avoid hostile reactions from, like, the no townspeople. One, no one wants to see that. No. Um, and also, they didn't want to... Um, they didn't want the church getting upset, so it was yeah, like yeah, dead yeah. of night they're doing this. And the bones were then dumped into like quarry wells, and then they were just tossed down into these tunnels. And this continued after the French Revolution until 1814. This is wild. Mm-hmm. And then in 1810, the bones were reorganized into the mausole- mausoleum that we know today. And the official entrance to the catacombs is located um, kind of right outside uh, – well, uh, so uh, it's located next to the Place d'Enfert, Russian, Russian, Russian. Obviously, I said oh, yeah. that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, uh, it used to be called like Place of Hell. So Ooh. you'd enter that. And um, this is the only legal entrance into the catacombs. 
So there's another entrance. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is, and it is now one of the biggest tourist attractions in Paris. Um, and now I'm going to tell and you. What do you do? You've been. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you just go down underground uh-huh. to a tunnel. It's really cold. And because it's a tunnel in the mm-hmm. ground. Yep. And then what's, what's it look like? Um, so there's like all these bones everywhere. Like, what do you like? Just like hanging from the walls? What do you mean? T- tibias and like skulls. There's just and, bones everywhere. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit more Did about they it. Shove them to the side. There's a path you walk down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they're just surrounded by bones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you a picture too. Okay, I have this whole thing for you. Okay, fun facts about the catacombs. So. The- <laughs> <laughs> Without two, that got me just right. <laughs> Fun facts about the catacombs. <laughs> okay, over six million bodies from the 18th century are in those tunnels. How many? Six million. Over six million bodies or bones. Bodies. Hmm. Yeah, That's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of bodies for 10 centuries. Dang, worth of bodies. Okay. That was crazy. Okay, catacomb fact. Okay, people have died in the catacombs, not just their remains. Not are just all the remains. dead bodies. Yeah. So there's this how guy. How die? Pardon my French. I don't know how to say French, so here we go. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> That's bad. Okay, Filbert Aspart was a doorkeeper um, at one of the local hospitals during the French Revolution, and he went into the catacombs in 1793, and he never came back out. His body was discovered 11 years later, and his cause of death was undetermined, uh, and his body was found right near an exit. Chester Copperpot. Yeah. That sounds so familiar. What's that? Goonies. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. Watching you be like, yeah, I get it, and then watch you actually get it. Because then I could hear it in my head. Okay. Okay. And then in uh, 2017, two teenage boys were found after three days of being lost in the catacombs. No, imagine being lost with Mm -hmm. your friend. Uh You die. Well, no, they didn't die. Oh. They got found. You told me that these people died in tunnels and then started telling me about these boys. I did. I did (laughs) preface it like that. (laughs) So they got lost and then were found. And then they were found and they had to be taken to the hospital for frostbite because it was so cold. Cold, mm-hmm. but they were hungry. Yeah. Okay. Catacomb fact. Okay. So uh, those in the French Resistance were actively using the underground tunnels as a hideout during the war. Vive and- la Resistance. Yeah. Yes. I love the French. <laughs> yes. I. I. You know, I could hear stories all day. You live for it. Yeah. Okay. So they would plan attacks against the Germans down in these tunnels, and yes. they'd use the tunnels as a way to escape when there yes, was attack. Of course, it's yeah. amazing. But at the same time, the Nazis also built various of bunkers course. in the tunnels to avoid being caught. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cat- That's a movie. Catacombs and yes. Yes. <laughs> Your people, people passing by people in tunnels. Are you French? No, I'm not French. Are yeah. you French? Vive la resistance. <laughs> okay. Catacomb fact. So those who were working in the catacombs decided to start like displaying the bones in decorative shapes, such as hearts and circles. And they'd line the walls with skulls and other various bones. And that's what you see today. And one of the most iconic displays is known as the barrel. It consists of a large circular pillar surrounded by skulls and tib- tibia, which also acts as a support for the roof above it. And it is referred to as the Crypt of Passion or the Tibia Rotunda. I'm going to show Did you a you picture. <clears throat> Look at that. What? That's not what my, what my Describe brain that. made. Describe that to the folks at home. It looks like a really large woven basket. Uh-huh, but with bones. That's Those are all bones. Wild. What are the ones that look like um, half a Cheerio? Bones. But what kind of bone is that? Half a Cheerio? Uh, no, no, that's the tibia. So that's at the end of it. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it's going inward. That's wild. So if you guys have access to the Google machine, look at the catacombs in Paris. That's crazy. Yeah. And these aren't the only catacombs. There's other catacombs. Where else? Um, I want to say I have it in the history here, but I want to say they got the idea from someone else. And I can't remember. It might be Romans Greek. or Greeks. Or, yeah. One yeah. of those guys. Um, okay. Perfect. So um, catacomb fact. Okay. So the practice began. Oh, okay. So there's this practice I'm going to tell you about. So this practice began in the 19th century when a man named Monsieur Chambry went down into the tunnels and saw a patch of wild mushrooms growing. Don't do it. <laughs> I already know what you're going to tell me, and this guy's a dumbo. No, it's not what you think. Okay. Okay. So he decided to use the abandoned tunnels to begin growing his own um, Champagne de Paris, which is button mushrooms. Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, I thought you were going to think the do-do-do-do mushrooms. No, he's growing mushrooms. Yeah. Down in the catacomb. Yeah. It's perfect temperature. No. <laughs> so. Surrounded. You get what my problem is. Uh, the remains of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't eat mushrooms that can't. Like. Oh, this yeah, is a yeah, weird yeah, yeah. level of. I feel like it's going to leach things that you mm. shouldn't eat those mushrooms. Yeah. I see you where you're coming eat from. anything that could loosely <laughs> have parts of human DNA. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So. He's down there. He's growing these mushrooms, and um, he starts. He must have started telling people about it because it becomes this big thing that people do, and it's finally Some people <laughs> like to party. It's finally, oh my god, <laughs> mushroomers who go like people mm-hmm. that are into mushrooms, whether oh. they're psychedelic or they're just mushrooms. Uh-huh. Mor- morels. It's it's a lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. I went morel hunting with our coworker. I want to go. It was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, so he's down there doing all the mushrooms and he's growing. It's becoming a big thing. And it's recognized and accepted by the Horticulture uh, Society of Paris. Interesting. So, so they're like, yes, do this. This is great. Uh, and then soon farmers from all uh, from all around. Do you think people thought that he was a fun guy to be with? Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate it. You just have that in your pocket. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anytime <laughs> mushrooms come up, I'm going to make that joke. All right. So everyone's down there, they're growing mushrooms, and it's a thriving business. All right, so catacomb fact. All right, so it's illegal to enter the catacombs um, other than that main entrance. Um, And if you do, you'll be fined $70, which in my head doesn't sound like that much, but you'll be fined $70. Um, And other entrances are very difficult to find um, because they're usually hidden or they look like a manhole, so it doesn't look like it goes anywhere. I mean, would anyone have like a trapdoor from their home into the catacombs? Possibly. That could move. Maybe there's some other ways down into the... There is a story here. There is a murder mystery movie that has not been made. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Um, oh, and in case you're wondering, so the, the mileage on these tunnels kind of vary. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But I got um, an estimate. It's maybe like 186 miles worth of What's tunnel. way more than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Way more. And for you That's guys... That's a lot of miles. You guys in the... Think U- about... There okay. are 35 paved miles of trails in sun river that means nothing to me really yeah we rode our bikes around yeah and we didn't even travel over all of them and we were on e-bikes yeah so think about that's a lot more miles yeah that's a lot of miles you could have been like it's here to what portland how many miles is portland way more than that oh what's way more than that maybe you were right i think i'm right I'm going to Google it. Hold on. For our fans in Portland, are you screaming at us? It's 174 miles. Oh! 
<laughs> so proud. Why, Val? So. <laughs> that was cool. Oh, that's a fun that- moment. So you could go to from Ben to Portland and then like make a little pit stop to go look at something fancy and then like like a waterfall and then get back on the road. That's how many catacomb tunnels there are. Wow. That's crazy. That's perspective. That's wild. Yeah. It's perspective to people from Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For anyone in the UK, that's 300 kilometers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice little that doesn't mean anything there. to me. Nope. Nope. Okay. So <clears throat> catacomb fact. Okay. So the cat. Oh, okay. So now I'm going to tell you about this group of people. So- I'm so excited. <laughs> so you have these people called cataphiles. Oh. And they're urban explorers who love exploring the catacombs. Urban explorers, man. Mm-hmm. And they're they're actually really respectful of the remains there and they try to keep the tunnels like intact. Um they also create maps for themselves so that they don't get lost because mm-hmm. it's very very easy to get lost. Of course. Um the disorienting. Ca- yes. The cataphiles have been uh creating and building their own community within the tunnels for years. I don't know necessarily think they live down there but they go down there a lot so they like paint artwork they furnish rooms they party with fellow uh like tunnel dwellers and some visit to simply disconnect from the outside world um and on the roof of the tunnels there's dozens of different colored arrows leading in all different directions to various rooms and meeting places uh one of the most famous of these rooms is known as la playa named for the sandy floor that leads to a mural of um uh, hockey size uh, wave. It's that Japanese wave. It's really famous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone did a mural of it. Oh, cool. And uh, this is one of the hot spots in the secret catacombs. And nearly every weekend you'll find people there. Um, I imagine people with twizzly mustaches and <laughs> suspenders. <laughs> um, and it's also said that the catacombs are home to massive raves and satanic cults. But I'll bet there are crazy raves down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also rumored that people have dinner parties down there. Uh, there's art events and even underground swimming pools. But, like, the water is, like, really murky and it's like, gross and I wouldn't do it. But other people do it and yeah. that's fine for them but not for me. Um, there's a room that resembles a large dining hall with a table and chairs carved out of the limestone. Like, that's how people are doing these furniture. They're, like, carving it out of the limestone. Wild. Um, okay. I... If this was America, America would be all over that shit and be like, get out, and they'd gate it, and they'd be like, you can't touch anything. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't think they sell tickets? No, I think they do. The fact that you can still wildly get into these Mm. and build shit, like... Oh. Who's gonna man that? That's what I'm saying. I like that it's still this like Wild West underground. I mean, they're not supposed to be there. They're not, but I kind of appreciate this like <laughs> weird mole people thing that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, uh, America would just shut it down, would install oh. bars at the end of ever. Like they would map it, they'd scan it, they'd close it. Like you wouldn't get any of that. Yeah. They'd be like, uh uh uh. No touch. Yeah. It's mine now. And I just like that it's just, uh, you know. Yeah. Whatever. You're going to really like this. Okay. So in 2004, police who were undertaking um, like a training exercise in the catacombs stumbled upon a giant cinema room. This is amazing. Uh Uh-huh. And it's fully equipped with a screen, uh, equipment, a restaurant, and a bar, and all facilitated by professionally installed phone lines and power lines. This is wild. Uh Uh-huh. And what they didn't know was that there was a secret camera snapping photos of them as they passed in. Mm -hmm. And so later when the police returned to the room, um, they saw that all the electrical equipment had been stripped. Everything was taken. And there was a note left and it says, do not try to find us. I love it. (laughs) 
Don't you love it? I love it. It's amazing. Here's the other thing. America would try to monetize it. That's what I said. Every, they sell yeah. tickets to it. But, which I'm sure France does. Like when you went, did you pay it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that little There's section like you little, could go to. Yeah. yeah. But the, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Isn't I'm this jealous. wild? Yes. Yes. Um, okay, cool. So those are my catacombs facts. And that's the history of the catacombs. Are you excited about the catacombs? Yes. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you about my story. Okay. Okay. I have two stories, actually. Part of me wondered if you even had a story. And I was just telling you about the Part catacombs. Part of me was like, she's just going to tell me about these catacombs and count one of these deaths as a death. Yeah. That's actually why I talked about the catacombs. I'll, I, I'll be, I'll come right back to me. Come back to me. I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. 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 So. Uh, You've confused me. There's the, I'm ready to hear your story. Okay. Perfect. So there's these people who live in a very high end apartment building near. Oh, I thought we were talking about the mole people. No. <laughs> uh, they live um, uh, near the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris. And it's a very swanky, very like posh area. And um, they find out that someone has broken into their home during the night sometime between the 28th or the 29th of August of 2017. Recent. Um, but it was determined that maybe the break-in had happened between late July and August because yeah. they weren't really home, but that's when they noticed that they got had it, broken got it, into. It. So the police arrive, and they are brought down to the cellar, and they can see that someone has drilled a hole through the limestone wall. Yes. And when they go through the hole, they're in the catacombs. I like it. <laughs> And they determined that the thieves stole $300,000 worth of very high-end wine, and they escaped through the tunnels. And wine was my tie to the wine slush. Oh, good tie. Thank you. And I didn't have a death, so I needed death, so I got the catacombs, which has six million oh. people who, who died. What a fun little... What a fun... Thank you. I, I will continue now. Okay, so... Um, and it's interesting because where the hole, uh, was made and the limestone going into the catacombs was actually really near the tourist entrance to the catacombs. Interesting. Um, and then police believe that the thieves had somehow visited the private wine cellar before, and then they calculated like where to go in the catacombs to go through that the limestone. Dangerous. Like if you ended up at some swanky party and you mm -hmm. end up down in the cellar and you're like, all right, cool. We'll but how else are you guys. supposed to know about this wine? I know, but how, isn't it uh, like now there's like a real finite... Group, group of people mm -hmm. that to be sifting through yeah um and also during the same time two other sellers were also broken into but nothing was stolen from them just test break-ins maybe oh i didn't even think about that um these people have never been caught now i have another story for you okay okay then on july 1st of 2019 you know how you catch them how wine mouth oh you're just full of it today aren't you <laughs> Oh, you're just you're just having a great time over there, aren't you? <laughs> okay, fantastic. Okay, I'm bringing you forward in time. Okay. July first. Today is July first. Oh, that's fun. In case you don't know this, we record in advance, but that is fun. Okay, so July first of 2019, employees at the prestigious a year ago today. Oh, it was a year ago. I didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny um a year ago today jacqueline yeah <laughs> um the employees at the prestigious uh two-star Mich michelin restaurant called uh mason rostang i'm sorry um which is near the arc de triomphe in paris discover a 20 inch hole in the wall of their wine cellar which leads to the catacombs yes. 
the thief. This is wonderful. Yeah. This is wonderful. (laughs) So the thieves stole at least 150 bottles of prized wine, estimated to be worth between 450 to 600. Do you think it's the same people? I think so. Okay. Up to $675,000. Yeah. So Everyone's keeping their wine underground and everyone's got these tunnels by it. No, total. So 150 bottles were taken, and the yeah. the estimated worth was um, about half a million dollars. And um, they were doing re- renovations to their wine cellar at the time. So they're like, did someone part? Who was mm-hmm. someone part of that crew? And they Who went on it? that side. Who done it? Who knows? And then over half the bottles were old vintages, and so like, um, Priceless. They'll, they're gone. They're never gonna get back. And so police believe that the thieves first broke into a nearby section of the catacombs before drilling into the restaurant located near the French uh, Senate. And the mo- uh, the hole may have been made by someone with access to the cellar, especially since the cellar was in the middle of the renovation. Okay. Yeah. You're into wine. Yeah. This is a lot of wine. So originally in my mind, I'm like, you got these crafty wine. Like, are they just drinking wine with their mac and cheese and they're just enjoying these great bottles of wine? No. But then you got to fence them. So then you have to sell them to other wine snobs who know that, like, people just got rot. Like, yeah. are you buying a bottle of wine that you're pretty sure was stolen from your buddy Rob? Uh-huh. I think it's I think it's like art. You're like I want the Mona Lisa. I want it so bad. And then you get a guy. I'll never to go- get to show anyone it. Mm-hmm. But I have. But I am a man, and I have the Mona Lisa <laughs> with all my money. I think I think seriously, someone put in an order. It's kind of like gone in sixty seconds. We got an order for all these cars. Yeah. We got to make this order. Good bad movie. Such a good movie. I love that movie. It's a very good movie. Shelby, what's up? <laughs> Um, and these people also have not been caught. Yeah. Um, and originally the, the one that I, I wasn't going to tell you it, but now I am. Um, the one that caught my attention cause I looked up wine heists and like all these crazy wine oh, heists. Nice. It's a thing. I think oh, it, definitely. it's a, it's a smaller item and it's high priced if you get the right and I bottle. Think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it is like art. You, you will always find some rich person who doesn't have scruples that wants it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this other story I was watching, so it, there was a video and I was like, oh my God, are these the people in the catacombs? But no, these are cheese thieves. <gasps> yes. <laughs> never, never have I ever thought that there were cheese thieves, cheese, but of course there are. Cheese wheels. Do you know how expensive cheese wheels are? Yes. And this one has to like not marinate, but you know, do its thing for yeah. like a couple years. And it's in these big cheese wheels and you see them, you see them coming in with flashlights and then grabbing them yep. and then just rolling them out. And they Imagine wine. the party they're throwing with the wine thieves. <laughs> That'd be a great party. Cheese thieves. Cheese thieves. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you have some time, if you want to look up like wine and cheese heist, there's some big ones out there. Yes. Like lots of money were, was lost. Oh, I like it. Yeah. There's that podcast. Sometimes I really like it and other times I'm like, meh. The heist podcast. Uh-huh. All but the, all, I wonder if they've done anything. With the feather? Yeah. That one? That episode is so good. Such a good. There's a handful of other really good episodes. What's it called? Heist. Oh. It's just Heist Podcast. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, there's one about a piece of, uh, like a dolly artwork that was stolen out of a prison that's really good. Like, mm. there's some, like a handful, because like, I haven't listened to a ton of them. I'll like scroll the subject and be like, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they've done a wine or a cheese <gasps> heist episode. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It's fascinating. I love oh, it. So good. Um, but Yeah. 
Nice what? job. Did you like it? I, I probably should have saved that for a live show, but I was I, I was so tickled it. by it. Yeah. And the stories were so short. I was like, I have to tell you all about the catacombs. And Well, I, it was a nice little, I, I'd be like, oh, it's over. And I'd be like, oh, there's another. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was lovely. I, we don't condone thievery. No, no, no. Well, that, I do like hearing about it. Yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> who who doesn't like Ocean's Eleven? Great movie. Great series. Um, I think that wraps up our episode. Um, we will, like we said in the mid-roll, we're going to start doing our new format. Mm-hmm. So we'll start covering bigger cases. If you guys want to hear some big oh, yeah, cases. Out, let us know what cases yeah. you want to hear about. We know what the next one's going to be for us, but yeah. we don't know the future. Yes, 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 yes. You could be part of our future. <laughs> <laughs> we love and appreciate you guys, and we will see you the next time we see you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent is Jackie Andrea. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast. You can also head over to our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, where you can find more information about each episode, cocktail recipes, podcast merch. There's even a nifty little donation station button if you're feeling generous. We're a self-funded podcast, and all your donations do really help. Our logo was created by Michelle Michael Art, whose amazing work can be found at MichelleMichaelArt.com. That's Michelle with one L. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlust, and make sure you always tune in every Monday for hashtag Murder Monday. <laughs> uh, the way to Kimmery's heart is with puns. Oh my God, she was in the kitchen earlier and she starts dying laughing. And I was like, what? And she like comes in and she's like, say it. Uh, shit, don't. Okay, there's a night. Oh my god, you can't retell any of her jokes. It's so funny. No, no, no. There's a knight in a field. <laughs> and it's a it's oh, he's surprised. What? There's a knight. And what kind of knight stands in a field? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Uh there's a knight. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a Jesus. field and he's surprised. Wait, let me read what? it. What? What night does nobody expect on the battlefield? What night does nobody sus- suspect on the battlefield? Oh, a nightstand. <laughs> That's funny. Sur- a surprise. Oh, a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So nightstand wasn't a part of it at all? Dre <laughs> just made that up? I didn't say nightstand. I said there's a I heard standing- nightstand somewhere in that story. There's a night standing in a field. Oh, <laughs> I have a night. It was, I get the gist of these stupid jokes you tell me. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Oh, wh- uh, Paisley, why are potatoes such good detectives? <laughs> they keep their eyes peeled. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go in case you don't know um i don't know what those are but i call them meeps <laughs> so you might hear that sometime when we're recording okay <laughs> get them all out i always have to meep right before we record. Oh, well, we get to edit them out now so it's <laughs> <laughs> so i sound like they're, a normal person yeah they're out there <laughs> okay <clears throat> <Ba-da-ba-da>. <laughs> are you talking about the car <laughs> yeah is there a body in there I don't know. I haven't. I didn't go by today and check and see if it's there. You have nothing but time. What are you doing? <laughs> I went on a bicycle ride. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to be on the news.
Is this is this is this the venue that we we put it out that Dre and I are pretty convinced that there's a serial killer in our area? Oh, we haven't oh. we haven't told anyone. We haven't told anyone. You guys haven't told anybody now. Well, because we told people, it's here now. Do you want to see my? Do you? Do you, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're gonna. <laughs> We're going to get a map and we've, we're going to put pins on it. I already have a map. I'll show you where all the bodies are. Okay. So, so far, those are the bodies, not the dirt. Oh. Which one of you are reporting Drea to the police after this what, episode? What are those of my home? I oh, love Drea, I, what's wrong with you? I, I love you guys, but uh, you shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I didn't want you to think there's that many Drea, bodies. This is a live show. We can't oh my take God. it back once we say it. It's out That's funny. There. And she's gone. We've lost But her. Drea, Drea has oh, lots no. of guns and a big dog and security guards. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. <laughs> That's going in at the end. That was a treadmill, but that was awesome. <laughs> it was very funny. Okay. This is the partiest that treadmill's ever sounded. She's like, we are cutting everything. We're not doing edits. <laughs> Sit down. Parts on the treadmill. Oh, I have a story for later. Okay. So, 